the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. guys and welcome to episode 36 of the motorsport coaching podcast i am your host belinda risley and today i am joined by principal psychologist of Denver wellness joel curtis joel enjoys listening to people and is passionate about helping others his counseling style is non-directive he doesn't like telling people what they think they should do his goal is to help people understand themselves so they have the skills to be able to help themselves Joel provides support for people experiencing depression, anxiety, and phobias. He has a strong interest in men's health, as well as working to support teenage boys. Joel works with couples to provide support for the relationship and marriage issues. He's a registered sports psychologist, and he works with a range of athletes and teams to help support their performance needs. So guys, as you will hear from today, Joel and I discussed about the importance of overcoming fear, but we also discussed about parents and the roles that they should play within each of the driver's experience. There's loads of tips that you will hopefully get out of today, as well as a great resource tool for the five love languages. All of these notes will be in today's show notes, so make sure you check them all out. Thanks again for the reviews. I love getting emails, Instagram, Facebook messages about the experience and the skill sets that you are getting from these podcasts, so please keep them coming. Um, of course, if you get an opportunity, if you can head to iTunes and give us a review and subscribe to the channel, that would be fantastic. And of course, I will read out those reviews here on the next podcast. Um, if you are interested in more around motor, um, mental performance, I guess sports psychology, nutrition and fitness, don't forget we do have a free Facebook community over at Motorsport Fitness. So if you just search that and come along and join us, we definitely um, drop some more information, some more in-depth research around mental preparation. Um, I do believe that that's one of the key elements to being a successful race car driver, as I'm sure you'll understand. So without any further ado, let's get started. So Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Belinda. I appreciate it. So we've recently done a Facebook Live with you on our closed Facebook group, which had lots of responses. So thanks for that. No and, problems at all. Yeah, and so this is a little bit of further on, um, I guess, from a lot of the questions that were asked throughout that Facebook Live. And um, one of the biggest challenges, I guess, a lot of the competitors have is overcoming fear when it mm. comes to racing. So yep. um, let's start off a little bit about you. How, um, what do you do? What kind yep. of work with and stuff like that okay so i'm a sports psychologist uh i have practices based in sydney so down south in the sutherland shire and out west in blacktown um so predominantly the work i do is in general practice i work a lot with uh non-athletes so deal a lot with with the non-athlete side of things but my background experience and training is in sports psychology blender so i work a lot um in that sports psychology space with athletes, both individual athletes, team-based athletes, work with coaches, um, work with parents as well. So I certainly do a lot of work across the space in terms of working with uh, many different people involved in, in sport. 
Fantastic. Um, who's a worst client? The, the parent or the actual? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a very, it's a loaded question. It's a good one. I like it. Uh, look, sometimes it can be a little bit of both, but what I see particularly in younger athletes is there's a lot of um, expectation and pressure from parents, from coaches. And obviously, the younger the athlete, sometimes the more difficult it is for them to deal with those expectations, Belinda. So it can be a little bit of both, but uh, probably in the in the young stages, it's probably more the parents' expectations and helping them manage their own uh, their own angst more yeah. so than uh, working with the kids themselves. Yeah, well, we might just keep going along that line there about the parents and the expectations they do put on their kids. Sure. Yeah. Um, how can uh, I guess a parent assist their child um, to well not I guess put their how can a parent yeah. not put their expectation as much on a child and really allow them to enjoy the sport yeah and, um, not get I guess so caught up in it especially when they are quite young yeah and look obviously it's a tough question to to answer quickly um, but in terms of what I would suggest is it's really important as a parent particularly as a, a of an athlete that you don't live through your children. I think there's a lot of parents that see athletes or athletic life as a way out for their children to potentially give them more than they could have otherwise. So I think it's really important that parents understand that sport isn't a way out for their children because the pathway, as you can appreciate, is um, paved with good intentions, but um, not necessarily great results. So it's important that parents just step back if their kids are enjoying what they're doing, then that's all they need to be focused on first and foremost. So just as a parent, step out, step back, lower your expectations, let your kids be kids and let them enjoy their sport first and foremost without any extra amount of pressure or expectation would be my simple advice. <laughs> Easier said than done, I'm sure. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. They're going, yes, I know, but we want the best for them and we know exactly that they're right. better yeah. and we just yeah. want to push them. Yeah. Um, exactly right. Yeah. Best competitive they can possibly that's, right. be, so that, I, that's not how your kids are going to get good results by you pushing them to do more and you putting expectations on them. That very rarely works. And you've only got to look at the tennis world to see the old uh, bratty tennis parent producing the bratty tennis child. <laughs> so I think you just want to take a leaf out of that book to understand that that's rare. That that pressure and expectation and and driving your kids forward is how they're going to come out of this. You know, on top, it's more often than not the more relaxed parent the more step back parent, the more chance there is of your child overcoming their issues and their concerns and their angst and being able to move forward. So I would advocate that less is more when it comes to uh, parenting and parenting athletes. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. And we certainly do see them out on the track. Um, yeah. Again, with the best intentions of trying to get oh. the most out of their, their child. Of course. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, a fine line. Let's just yeah. say that. Yes, of course, of course. There's that um, supportive um, yes. versus that, yeah. that um, adding Yeah, and adding yeah. pressure. Yes, yeah, right. absolutely, yes, yeah. And I guess um, causing extra pressure or putting extra pressure onto yeah. an athlete does, um, I guess, instill some sort of fear. Yes. Um, what exactly is fear? Fear is feeling out of control. First and foremost, I mean, particularly in an athletic sense, you feel fear when you're focusing on things that you can't control. So if that's parental expectations, that's coaches' expectations, that's focusing on winning, you start focusing on things that you can't control and the body's natural reaction is to go into that panic mode. And when we panic, we become fearful. 
So that's wholly and solely what fear is, is focusing on things that are beyond your control. The brain panics, shuts down, wants to keep us safe. And of course, in a you know, motor, motor car or motorbike, you know, the first thing you can do is want to step out of it because it's, you're panicking about things that you can't control. So that's what that fear is exactly about. And is there some sort of strategies or techniques that people can do to overcome fear? Yep, absolutely. First and foremost, I want everyone to understand that fear is a natural part of performing, whether that's motor racing, whether that's you know playing rugby league, cricket, tennis, whatever it is, it's always a natural and common response that you feel fear and you feel anxiety. So I have mentioned that to, to Alex in the podcast, that first and foremost, you want to accept that anxiety, fear, trepidation, whatever it might be, is an actual, necessary and natural part of competing. Because that means you care, that means you're up and about, that means you're ready to go. So rather than fighting it and you know wanting to do whatever you can to stop it, the sooner you can embrace it and, and actually make it a natural part of your you know pre-game or pre-event routine, the easier it'll be to stay on top of it. What about if they don't have any fear? Is that is there a negative connotation performance? Like, I think in terms of motor racing, that could be real dangerous. Yeah, well, I definitely know some um, athletes that go, no, it's all right. Like, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. calm whether they actually are underneath. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Like, does everyone experience fear, like on the grid at the at the oh. the starting line? Absolutely. Um, yeah, there is a degree of fear, absolutely, especially when you're driving around a high powerful vehicle or, or motorbike or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be a sense of fear. Do you know what I mean? Because it's dangerous. So you actually have to understand that there is that element of it. And yes, you want to be cool, calm and collected, but actually so if you're pretending or thinking that you're not scared or you don't want to be scared, then you're potentially going to put yourself in some dangerous places. And, and obviously in motor racing, if you do that, it can end badly very quickly. So there needs to be that good blend of, yes, I'm calm and I'm focused on what I can control, but actually so I'm not out there to be reckless, I'm not out there to be dangerous, I'm not out there to do things that I'm not skilled enough to be able to handle. So that definitely is something, Glenda, that I want everyone to understand. You need that good mix of calm and controlled, but actually so that good sense of, yep, there's some danger here and I want to be aware of those things and make sure I'm not being reckless. Yeah, like you said, definitely when they're driving at those high speeds, we want them to be in control of, of the situation. Correct. Exactly right, yeah, exactly right. And so, Joel, how does um, fear impact performance? I know you've mentioned about being reckless, um, yes. but um, like I'm talking more like mental, body, yeah. breathing. Yeah, well, obviously in terms of athletes that are feeling fear, the first thing that starts to happen is you'll notice that your heart, state, heart rate starts to increase. And as the heart rate starts to increase, obviously more blood's flowing through the body, which means you might catch yourself hyperventilating, which means you're, you're breathing a lot more heavily and a lot more rapidly than you normally would do. So that's one of the first physiological signs of fear. The other thing you might start to find is that you can't concentrate. So the part of your brain that does all the higher order thinking will start to shut down when you're in that fear state because the part of the brain that wants to keep us safe, the part of the brain that wants us to do the bolt and run away takes over. And it can be very hard to concentrate. It can be very hard to focus. And it can feel quite physically, emotionally, psychologically overwhelming. So they're the sort of physiological things you might notice. Some shaking. You know, you might find some sweating. So they're all sort of the physical signs of feeling fear. Then obviously some of the psychological things that can happen is then that you start to want to not race. You're going to want to start to not hop in the car. You're going to need you know, more superstitious or, you know, uh, structured routines to get yourself set. 
which obviously can be quite detrimental to, to your performance. So you start to find that you do things to counter that. So you want to be very aware that if you're experiencing those things, there's a good chance you're feeling anxious. There's a good chance that there's some fear-based behaviours and responses happening there. Yeah, and we spoke to uh, Caroline Anderson last week around anxiety yes. um, and that anxiety is good and that yes. it, it, uh, again for performance. Yep. Um, and she gave some strategies like visualisation and yes. around um, overcoming anxiety. Yep. How is your anxiety and fear different? Well, look, in actual fact, they're not. Sort of fear can lead to, to anxiety and then obviously anxiety can lead to fear. So anxiety can be about focusing on the things that you can't control. Fear can be a real physical sense that there's some danger here or that something bad is going to happen. So they can, it's very similar, but obviously very different presentations. So they're both natural and both normal. And what I would encourage people to do is if they're sensing some fear, they're facing, facing some anxiety, what you want to do is get really focused on the things that you can control. So absolutely, as Carolina said, some visualisation will, will help. I'm very focused on helping people understand emotionally what's going on. Once you understand emotions, then you can really make sure that that fear and anxiety is not getting to a point where it's out of control because you want that good natural blend of some angst, but you don't want that to then start to impact on the way you think. You don't want that to start to impact on what you're concentrating on and you certainly don't want that to impact on outcomes in terms of not being able to perform at your absolute best. So understanding that emotion and then being very conscious about where you're focusing is critical in dealing with anxiety and fear. So obviously they don't have that much time to, I guess, consume all of this information when they are on yeah. the grid or ready to go yes. um, or the light's about to turn green. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the heart rate's going... Yes. Um, yeah. by Friday yourself. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> yep. Um, what are some, I guess, some quick fixes that they can yep. do maybe to, just to change that mind shift yes. when, yep. um, okay, so it's one thing that they're sitting on the grid and then yes. it's the second thing that now they're yes. actually sitting ready, like at the lights ready yes. to change. Yeah. Um, that they can just switch it over yes. and, uh, I guess, change their, their helmet. Yeah. Absolutely, that's, and that's a, that's a great analogy, changing the helmet, I like that. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I would. I always encourage people to be a little bit more proactive than that. I think if you're sitting at the start line, you know, freaking out or, or needing to change your mindset, you, you probably missed a trick. I would encourage every athlete to go well before that and say, okay, maybe half an hour before they put their suit on or half an hour before they put their helmet on or half an hour before they jump in the car or 20 minutes or 15 minutes before they jump on the bike, whatever it might be have a structured process before you get in the car to, in the dummy grid or before you're going out, you know, or going on your warm-up lap. Make sure you've got a point in time where you start to switch your focus. I don't encourage people to do that too long in advance because if you're spending hours doing that, obviously that can become quite psychologically and physically draining. So maybe sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes before you put your suit on or put your helmet on or put your gloves on or whatever you're doing, you have that real structured routine where you start to focus in on how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Then if you sense that there's some anxiety, you sense that there's some fear, then you really work very hard and focus on what you're going to control. So whether that's your cornering speed or your smoothness out of corners or whether you're going to start focusing on, you know, more of the technical aspects, absolutely I would encourage people to do that. I'd also encourage them to have then a sort of debrief and a sort of physical process they go through, whether that's being very deliberate around their breathing, whether that's being, you know, getting everyone out of, the, out of the, the shed and having five minutes to themselves before they get in the car or even getting in the car five or ten minutes before they need to and just sit there very calmly and shut doors or 
push crew away and just sit there and make sure that they're concentrating on their breathing, being very slow, very deliberate, getting your heart rate down, making sure that your thoughts are on nothing more than other than what you're about to do. So it's not about outcomes, it's not about parents' expectations, not about sponsorship, not about grid position, not about overall, it's about you and the car or the bike and what you're about to do and what you want to be focused on, Linda. So I'd really encourage people to be a lot more proactive. Then obviously if you get onto the grid and you're still panicking, slow your breathing down. The easiest thing you can do is control your breathing. You control your breathing, the heart rate slows down. As the heart rate slows down, the back of the brain that's doing all the panicking shuts down. The front of the brain that does all that higher order thinking can take over and things will be a lot smoother. Fantastic. Thanks very much for that information, Joel. Um, no what about when someone's had a bad experience at that track? So yep. some sort of serious accident or incident, yep. you know, like it was just like the worst case scenario last time yes. they were there. Have yep. you got some strategies about overcoming that fear of returning to that track or going yep. to that corner again? Yes. I would absolutely encourage, and, and it's the old saying, you know, you, you've got to get back on the horse. I would obviously, if there's something <laughs> physical that's happened, broken bones, whatever, that might, that might limit that. But as soon as you practically can, get back on the car or in the car, get back on the bike. And I would just encourage people to do, you know, whether they can do some test days there or whether they can do some ride days there or they can do some other stuff, you know, outside of race day on that track, if, if possible, just to get the hang of things again and obviously be very mindful in that corner, that position. You're going to have some angst again. So just being very mindful about going through it slowly, just getting the head back around the track and the and the course and making sure they're feeling comfortable on it. But obviously the more time you you're doing that under, you know, calmer conditions, the more chance you have of getting it more more being more comfortable on race day. If you're waiting till the next race meet to get back on that same track, you you're really not doing yourself any favours because it's going to be psychologically overwhelming. So if that's what you have to do, you can't get on there before, I would just encourage you stay back of the pack, stay right out of harm's way because there is going to be for a first lap, two laps, first race you're certainly going to suffer some anxiety. I don't think you need to be pushing for position if you're not feeling 100% comfortable because of a big off or a big accident or whatever it is. I think you want to just make sure you're staying nice and back of the pack or mid-pack and not pushing too hard until you start to feel like it's comfortable again. Because if it's not comfortable, the chances of doing something similar are probably pretty uh, high. And obviously, you, don't, you keep repeating those things and that can create some bigger demons than you want. Yeah, for sure. Um, some great advice there. Does fear, I guess, discriminate? Um, is there like a is it fear like bigger when you're younger? Is it less when you get older? Yeah. yeah. It can be a bit of a mix of both, you know what I mean? Like you see these bulletproof kids that have had big offs and keep on going and you're wondering how they're doing it. So for some people it can be there's no fear, you know. For some people as soon as something bad happens, they do have then a lot of trepidation and fear. So it's different for different people, Belinda. And it's obviously not something that discriminates, but certainly it's about your ability to uh, bounce back and it's about your ability to manage your own fears. And again, there's probably coaches and parents saying, okay, well, we've just got to get back on and you've got to harden up and you've got to do it again. That's a horses for courses thing. I think that works for some people, but it doesn't work for everyone. So I'll just encourage any parent out there, any coaches to get a real good understanding of their, their athlete. And if their athlete is the sort of person that does feel that fear after a big incident, don't push it. Just make them comfortable. As I said, take them out for ride days, take them out for track days, take them out for practices just give them the space to feel comfortable and that fear will disappear a lot more quickly than if you push it. So I think that can happen in different ways. And equally so, someone can be pretty fearless until, you know, a big off. 
and then they never recover. So I think it's different for different people. As you get to the back end of your career, maybe you do find it, you're a little bit more fearful. So it can happen at different times, but the treatment is always the same. Understand yourself, understand your emotion, and make sure that you are doing everything you can to be in tune with yourself and come up with some real structured and calm and direct strategies to get your focus back on the thing that you can control, which is how you're driving your motor car or how you're riding your bike and staying focused wholly and solely on that. Awesome. I'm really big on the five love languages. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Is that a useful tool like for parents <laughs> and coaches to work with their kids? I know like with my athletes, um, that's yeah. something that I like to do with them as a simple tool. Um, oh, absolutely. To recognise, you know, how they like yes. to be treated um, oh. in everyday life. Um, oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like if your athletes are more, you know, tactile, hands-on, like that, you know, that physical connection, then obviously put your arm around them or giving them a hug or that sort of thing, holding their hand if you need to or shaking hands, whatever, that that tactile, physical thing absolutely can make a difference. Someone's more an affirmation sort of person, then you want to say, okay, it's fantastic and it's great you're here and really proud of you and no problems today, let's go easy and let's just get around there and it's going to be a little bit scary, but I'm on board, it's okay. So yeah, I really agree with that, Belinda. Anything you can do to get insight to your athlete, that's absolutely as a coach and a parent going to make a big difference because you've got to give them what they want. It's all well and good, you know, if you're a blokey bloke or a bit of a softer person and you're trying to go that softer approach where they don't respond to that or you're a bit of a, as I said, a harder person, you go that hard approach, they don't respond, you've got to know your athlete and whatever works for them, you've got to work really hard to give that to them because that's the only way you're going to get them back on an even keel. So, yep, books like The Five Languages or any other book that gives you insight, perfect. And do you have any other recommendations? Oh, look, in terms of there's plenty of uh, recommendations, but I think, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I'm, I'm diverting it, but any book, any podcast, everything has merit. So yeah. I think it's up to each individual coach to know themselves and know what works for them. They might be a podcast person. They might be a, reading a book person. They might be listening to, you know, some, some stuff online, whatever it might be. But I would encourage every coach to do the same as they're doing for athletes. Understand yourself. There's plenty of books, just Google titles and whatever resonates, pick it up and every book has merit or every podcast has merit or everything like this has merit, but you've got to do your research and work out what works for you. And yeah, that would be my suggestion. Thanks very much. Uh, probably one more question. It sure. could be quite um, divisive. Is that what happened when the parenting is very different? So you've, uh, <laughs> you've yep. got old school dad that's going yeah. come on mate you can do it hard yeah. enough and then you've got mum that's nurturing and loving her yes. child and just wants to yes. you know yeah. to enjoy the yes. sport what's yes. a happy medium obviously a lot of these drivers um being beginners don't have yes. to sport psychologists yes of course have um driver coaches so really yeah. dad are to those roles yes so i guess probably in the scheme of things dad's the driver coach and mum's probably yes. the sport psychologist yeah yeah um, exactly right <laughs> yeah. what's what's some words of advice to keep a happy marriage and team <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a loaded question maybe we need to do a separate podcast on uh, on marriages we can i can do that for you too but uh yeah it's a it's a difficult one the simple answer is each one works each one works like each child can respond a little bit more to the blokey dad and each child can respond to the the softer mum, or if it's a softer dad and a harder mum. whatever it is each child can respond to that They've yeah. grown up in that household. So the kids are well and truly used to mum's got a style, dad's got a style, my uncle's got a style, my auntie's got a style, grandma, grandpa, everyone's got a different style and there's merit in everything. Where it really comes down to it is each parent just staying out of the other parent's way. That if 
one parent's decided that that's how they want to be in that moment, absolutely, let that parent do that. If the other parents decide they want to be another way in another moment, do that. But if you're trying to do that together, that won't work. The child will get what they need out of both. As a parent, just step out of the way. It can't be all just dad and it can't just be all mum, but it can be both. Blended. Mix. But it's got to be blended, but not at the same time. I think if you're trying to blend it at the same time, you know it. So if dad's taken over, then let dad take over. If mum's taken over, let mum take over. And then when things calm down or there's a moment somewhere else, you take the other parent can take the moment. But I definitely don't suggest that if there are two very distinct styles, just don't get in the middle of it as a parent. Just stay out of it. Let the other parent do their thing and the child will get a little bit out of them and a little bit out of the other one as well. There's, there's merit for both, Belinda. So what I'm hearing, Joel, is that it's really important to establish whose role is what in each yes. of the, in each of the teams. Yes. For a happy marriage. And yeah, a absolutely. And yes. for a happy race team as well. Yes, absolutely. And look, to to be frank, I mean that that's life, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's not just parents; it's workplaces and it's team environments and everything. Like you're going to get something out of everyone, but provide that's not the only voice you're hearing. Like if all you're hearing is that hard nut voice. After a while, you're going to tune out. If all you're hearing is that softer voice, eventually you're going to tune out. So there's merit in both. I mean, you know, we, we don't want to raise a, a child that just resonates with one thing. As I said, I don't want to go away from, yes, children have a, a personality, provided they're getting, you know, the most out of that personality when they need it, that's fine. But in between that, absolutely, there's merit in both because softer kids can be a little bit harder at times. They need to be. And harder kids can be a little bit softer at times. And it's a moment of picking the time for the softness and picking the time for the hardness. But that's up to the parents to know the child and understand what works. And if it needs a bit of hardness, let dad do it. If it needs a bit of softness, let mum do it or whatever it needs. Yeah. If a parent's good at whatever and the child needs it, let that parent do the work. Yeah, so he's sticking to those strengths. Yes, absolutely. Oh, the parents of the driver coach. And absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's critical. Everyone's got a strength and as long as everyone's doing it in the right mix, it's fine. If you're doing it at the wrong time, that's where you get into trouble. All right, well, thank you very much for your time today, Joel, about talking about overcoming fear. I hope we've answered everyone's questions and um, we've got some content for you guys to take away and listen to, obviously, but um, to look into some things like the love languages, looking into um, breathing, do some breathing exercise uh, for you guys to try and identify what's the best way for you to get into your headspace um, before you go out and whether you're doing that on the dummy grid, whether you're doing that on the starting grid, uh, ideally you'd want to do that prior as Joel has mentioned. Um, and it's just important that once you get out onto the track that you've got that right race helmet on and it's time just to go racing. And certainly if you've had some sort of trauma onto the track, trying to get to the track beforehand um, and maybe it's doing a track walk, um, some visualization, even some sim racing um, and just trying to overcome and not so much relive the, the incident um, but just trying to work how you can I guess overcome that anxiety um, and as John mentioned maybe going a little bit slower the first time through there um, standing at the back of the pack for the practice sessions and just you know it's, it's okay to feel fearful going back into that corner have I missed anything Joel is it a good no that's perfect Blue. that's an absolute perfect summary and yeah no you've hit the nail on the head that's exactly right and I mean, yeah, without sort of going into, again, you look at someone like Chaz Mostyn at Bathurst a few years back, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's you know, yeah. So absolutely, as you said, particularly if there's trauma, go easy. Don't push, go easy. That would be, yeah, perfect for that. Fantastic, Joel. Um, so how can people get in contact with you? 
Yeah, so if they want to get in touch with me, they can uh, email me. So it's joel at endeavorwellness.com.au. You can get us on Facebook. So we've got Endeavor Wellnesses on Facebook. Um, you can get us on Instagram. We're at Endeavor Wellness on Instagram. Um, or we've got a webpage. You can look us up with our contact details there and you're more than welcome to give us a call and um, happy to shoot, uh, happy to you know respond to emails or phone calls or whatever it is, Belinda. So more than happy to get into, or people to get in touch with me if they want to. Fantastic. Now I will ask you what is your favourite track because I do know that you have an interest in motorsports. <laughs> so as a viewer or competitor, what is your favourite race track in Australia? Oh, Bathurst is my favourite. I grew up around Bathurst. So oh. my, uh, my family's heavily involved in motorbike racing. So I grew up around Bathurst at Easter. So I'm um, probably showing my age, but going back a long time. So Bathurst is my favourite track and uh, love it. And not so much into the V8, but I've been up there several times to watch the V8 because the bikes don't race there anymore. But yeah, certainly enjoy it. <laughs> going back up there and watching the cars go around as well. I don't know, but why did the motorbike stop? Oh, that's a, a few things. There were some few off-track behaviour issues with uh, some drunken behaviour up there and also some safety concerns. I think uh, Bathurst is, a, a you know, well, as I mentioned with Chaz Moston, so you, you get it wrong up there on a motorbike and it uh, can go pear-shaped pretty quick. So there were some, probably some safety issues there for riders, but also, um, as I said, off-track behaviour. So if anyone's interested, you can go back over and, YouTube, uh, Bathurst at Easter with the motorbikes and uh, you'll see for yourself some of the things that happened up there, both on and off the track and it's uh, a little bit hairy, but um, you know, yeah. So obviously uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, uh, you know, done a little bit of, uh, uh, spent some quality time there as well. So Sydney boys, so uh, yeah, any of the New South Wales tracks, Wakefield Park and those things as well. So yeah, but Bathurst definitely. Bath is fantastic. Well, again, Joel, thank you very much for your time today. All of Joel's links will be in today's show notes as well as all those resources. Thanks. No problems at all, Belinda. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Not a problem. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.